श्री श्री गोविंद जी जाए श्री श्री गोराधा माधव की जाए श्री श्री राजी गोपाल की जाए गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गौ भक्तवृंद की जाए गौ प्रेम Welcome to Maharaj. So you got rained out today, huh? Yeah. So you got good good bhajans. Good bhajans, okay. Yeah. Cool. So I thought I'd just entertain uh, questions this evening. We've had some good questions. Yes. Guru Maharaj, we often hear about the importance of finalities in each other, but not so often we hear about uh, the next part of the road to be said In the Chetan Charnamita, Mahaprabhu explains that one should be like a tree, that even when cut down the tree doesn't complain, indeed it offers shadow to the one who's cutting it down. This is of course very difficult and that's why I, I'd like you to speak about about how to attain this this quality. It's also difficult because it's something very much discouraged by present day society, where we're always encouraged to stand up for our rights and not let ourselves be mistreated and so on. So I'm wondering whether you could speak something about this. Shriman Mahabhu Ki Jai, Vikshastakam Ki Jai. So the question is about tolerance and Mahabhu's example of the tree. <clears throat> and tree is a good example of tolerance in relation to the natural um, environment, the elements. That means to say that it stands uh, throughout the seasons, whether it be cold or hot, whether it be rainy or, or dry, and so forth. And in the context of doing that, it provides shade and heat, it provides warmth in the winter. And this is the extended sense, I believe, of the analogy that uh, your question concerns. <clears throat> um, it may be useful to talk about tolerance in, in, in general, uh, aside from the extended idea of this uh, metaphor, as um, it's uh, an important quality. It, 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 it may be, I'm not sure, there are some cardinal um, virtues in the Christian world. Tolerance may be one of them also, to speak about it a little bit cross-culturally. <clears throat> but Mahabharata was um, emphasized it and in no uncertain terms. However, <clears throat> at the same time that uh, tolerance is, is, is emphasized. We also find emphasis in our tradition uh, on the 
point of creating a favorable favorable environment for uh, one's practice. So I think we have to look at tolerance often in relation um, to this uh, other mandate which then um, makes uh, tolerance uh, more uh, something that we can embrace without becoming uh, neurotic and psychologically out of uh, balance. Uh, So, for example, uh, if we are concerned to create a favorable environment for our practice, it may that may involve avoiding certain people, even certain devotees. We're also called to respect all devotees. Whoever chants the holy name is, uh, is worthy of respect from us. But similarly, in order to show that respect, we may have to create a distance from them. Because if you can, you can respect anybody if the distance is, is great enough. Because if the distance is long enough, then you can think about the things that you have in common rather than the things that you don't have in common that stand out when you get too, too close. So this is, again, the way I'm speaking about this, speaks to the something that I um, readily bring up, that, that sadhana is an art. It's a skill. Hmm? Yoga is a skill. Um, it, uh, it's artful. It requires thinking. Hmm? We, unfortunately, often... Uh, in people, people in pursuit of spiritual life look for someone to do the thinking for them. But um, if we understand it properly, Godi Vaishnavism is not such a discipline. It requires a full measure of uh, full application of our intellect. Hmm? Um, and um, uh, the uh, the need to learn to identify with essential principles to discriminate which is again the power of the intellect between principles and details uh, that may the latter of which may be changed may be dispensable may be relative with the former the principles principles of philosophy for example the tenets um, are not subject to uh, to uh, such change except in extreme circumstances on the part of a very powerful uh, uh, persons engaged in some type of preaching, perhaps provisionally. We find, uh, for example, Bhakti Vinod, while adjusting details according to time and circumstances to deliver the principle, also adjusted the principles a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was carried over into Bhakti Siddhanta Sosikagra and, and my Guru Maharaj also. And um, uh, so that needs, over time, like now, <laughs> that need, those need, things need to be addressed um, as well. Um, like, well, to give an example, uh, it's a very... Uh, significant 
and I was speaking about this the other night um, at uh, Namarasana's house and it's a very uh, significant and important uh, tenant of the philosophy um, that and with regard to the preogen, the ideal, the goal, that that goal is eternal. Hmm? This is very significant. Uh, it's not a detail. Could be eternal, could not be eternal. And Krishna distinguishes, for example, in the Gita, between his abode and every other possible uh, donation, uh, destination. Of course, when I say his abode, I mean the, his his abode, which uh, uh, expands, if you will, out from Braj to Golok to Vaikuntham uh, to Brahman, the entirety of the Paravyom, hmm? the transcendent realm, the that transtemporal, transspatial realm. To say it another way, that transcends time and the time-space continuum that we find ourselves in. The, the free world. It's interesting to know that the free world is not a democracy. <laughs> uh, it's more um, socialistic, um, uh, communistic even, but um, it has the ideal uh, and super qualified center. Hmm? That seems to be what's lacking in the mundane representation. That said, of course, I would say that it is more of a, maybe we could call it more of a social democracy, where you have uh, both sides. In, in a democracy, you have the individuality, and I have my voice. Hmm? And, and, uh, and the capitalism that often goes with uh, the, the democracy, this free enterprise, you can you can do it your way. I mean, relatively speaking, but um, you may you will be in competition with everybody else, basically. So you can be do what you want, but you won't have any friends. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously. <laughs> Uh, exaggerating it, but um, and then socialism on the other hand, you, you can't do what you want, <laughs> but you can have fr- friends, and you can have a group. You can have a group, but you can't have the individuality. So, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we have the group and we have the individuality. So you have the free world, the Paravyom, especially, of course, I'm speaking about the center of the Paravyom, that the, the world even of the lotus of Golok, that is Braj. Or Swayam Bhagavan seems to preside, or from a Gaudiya perspective, Jai Radhe. Hmm? She's presiding. Over the bhakti is presiding. The full measure of bhakti is presiding. And, and so therefore, Bhagavan is appearing as he does um, a needy person. Hmm? Uh, to some extent, needy, needing of Radha's love. So anyway, in that realm, of course, as we know, um, everything's provided, right? So, and there's the, there's the group. 
Um, so you have the socialistic uh, side of it. There's one Purusha, and everyone's Prakriti, and he's providing. Um, but you have also, and uh, it's so in Baikunta also, I should say, in the broader expanse, uh, you have the each, from the Gaudi perspective, each individual devotee. So the devotees in Dasiras and Chandarasa within uh, Baikuntha. And each of them is also different within the context of their rasa. Where you have, if you want to go take to Goloka, where we have more full expression of love, and you have Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, each of these, and there are divisions within them. And in, with each, each, within each division, there are individuals. So every friend of Krishna is different. They may be all Priyasakas group, they may be all Priyanarama Sakas, they may be all Sakas, they may all be all, may all be in Madhuriras, they may be all Priyasakis, they all may be Manjaris, but each Manjari is different. Each Priyasaka is different. The difference is where in our practice, in our culture, our will comes into play. The unity is where the mercy comes into play because the mercy, and these two are the two ingredients of our sadhana, right? Mercy and effort. So the, the, the mercy is the opportunity that comes before us. The Guru Parampara opens windows, as I sometimes refer to them, of opportunity. So in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we have Nityananda Prabhu, we have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we have, um, in Nityananda Prabhu, obviously, the Sakyabhav. In Mahaprabhu, we have Madhurya Rati. Mm-hmm. And we have the currents of these in the Sampradaya, with Madhurya Rati being more prominent, and Sakya Rati, even though it plays, as Nityananda Prabhu does, a secondary supportive role of the pursuit of Madhurya Rasa, pointing as he does, like no one else does, very boldly to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, pointing him out, Bajagauranga Kahagauranga, Lagauranga Namri, Yejanavuranga Bajeshayamat Pranri. This is, of course, how the Sampradaya started. The Chaitanya Sampradaya started with Nityananda's just without any Bhakti Rasamri to Sindhu, any Uchvalan Hilmani, any, any Brihad Bhagavatamrita, any such book to support this rather uh, wild idea that that Vishwamba, uh, um, that um, Vishwamba Mishra is Swayam Bhagawan. If that's not enough, he's in the mood of Radha. This is, uh, I mean, Vibhidabha Dastakur said that the uh, in his Chaitanya Bhagavad, Nityananda Prabhu has given the Madhurya Rasa to the world. Hmm? He means by way of giving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the world, to pointing him out hmm? and starting this um, this uh, Sampradaya as he did. Of course, as much as his role is supportive there and overt in his involvement in Madhurya Rasa in a way that as Balaram he cannot be overtly involved in Braj. He's involved by way of getting out of the way that his sensibilities and persona as the elder brother, 
that would cause, by Vatsalya's influence, Madhurya Rasa to contract. Madhurya Rasa will contract in the face of um, Vatsalya. So the elder brother side of Balarama, of course, is the Vatsalya influence. It causes his own Sakya as well to uh, contract. So, at any rate, he gets out of the way, so to speak. He, this is the one thing about his younger brother, who, by the most powerful influence of Vatsalya, his Vatsalya, Nitin Rams, Balarams, is tapped into. Of course, I'm referring to Yashoda. She taps into that and drives into ball around the idea you are the elder brother I mean it's just a you know it's really an exaggeration but is he a week older that's why they when they crafted in art the artisans who craft the deities of Krishna and Balaram or more Nityananda and Nityananda Balaram would be a little little taller that's the way of saying he's the older brother so of course it's there in his in his uh, uh, aesthetic rustic makeup, right? You find it, this sankul, a bundling of these rasas. There, that is not a mixing, because as I said earlier, I'm saying again tonight, these Madhuri rasa, let's say Vatsalya rasa, Dasya rasa, and Sakya rasa, they are not compatible. And, and, and in fact, in fact Rupa Goswami evokes very strong terms as their enemies. There are rasas that are friends, there are rasas that are enemies. It's not that the enemies will not meet with other rasas. You won't find that combination, but, it, but, it, but it, the combination will be there and it will cause a contracting of one or the other. So, I mean, just for example, Sakharas is entirely based on the sense of equality. So... They serve Krishna, sometimes Krishna serves them. There's, there's no, no difference between them. Friends are equals. This is really the uh, central. And that Vishrambha, where we spoke about that sense of confidence, is, is, can be shared, but we can't share it. It's the same way with, with elders and uh, so forth. So, so at any rate, um, in the presence then of Vatsali, where that equality is compromised, then the sakya element ingredient contracts. So it's anyway, it's bundled together in uh, uh, rather than mix. The word sankul doesn't mean to mix. It means like to bundle. To, so you put them together; they're all there independently. Therefore, when Balaram experiences Vatsalya, he's not experiencing Sakya. He's not experiencing Sakya mixed with Vatsalya. When he experiences Dasya, he's not experiencing really Sakya mixed with Dasya. He's experiencing the Dasya in himself. Hmm? The difference, of course, comes with Madhurya Rasa, because Madhurya Rasa and Sakya Rasa are not enemies. They're friends. Hmm? Therefore, there can be Mishra, rather than sankul. Mishra means mixing. There can be mixing. Like if you were to mix yogurt with sugar, what will happen? The yogurt will become sweeter. Hmm? So, 
we find some one section of Krishna's friends who are privy to and involved in empathetically with Madhurya Rasa and so some mixing there but, but, it, but, it, but at any rate uh, the point I'm making is that in Balaram he's the older brother so he's the Mariada Purusha he's in Krishna's life he's like watching out for him looking over him and this Vatsali in him again is is really brought out by the by the you know you couldn't find a larger vessel of Vatsalya than Jashoda Mai Shiman Yashomati Kijai so when she insists you're the older brother take care of him watch out for him that's why he reported Krishna's eaten dirt oh Krishna was so offended by him how could you do turn me in like that in terms of our sakya you could have never turned me in hmm? we have a confidence between one another that we do things that we don't share with elders because if they knew about it we'd get in, we'd get in trouble hmm? how could you turn me in of course, Balaram didn't say, that's my Vatsalya. <laughs> what can be said? <laughs> but that's, that's the reality of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, so he's, he'll be, he will turn it in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, there's one thing he doesn't, that Krishna does wrong from the point of view of Vatsalya Rasa. Mm-hmm. It's right, but it's wrong. It's right. Krishna should be with Radha, but it's wrong, nonetheless. Oh, the world is so cruel. They are so perfectly matched. But what can be done? He has a destiny. He has a destiny, and it's very clearly written in his chart that at such a young age, just as the as a budding Kishore, he will he will leave leave the village. Of course, they don't want to think that it's true and they can't live like that, but, it, it, but, it, but at least that prediction has the power to influence the elders' decisions about who might be compatible with whom and who should be married. And of course, every parent in Brudge thinks their, do- their daughter is... Um, this is different than, than Daksha, right? Was asked the other day why Daksha didn't want Shiva to come to, to the uh, to the yagya, right? Mm-hmm. With um, Parvati, Daksha, Parvati being the daughter of of, uh, of Daksha and the wife of of, of, of Shiva, and, and the short answer is that as I gave, oftentimes fathers will never think that any they'll think that no young man is suitable for my daughter. Hmm. Whoever he is, he's not. He's not the. He's not good enough. Hmm. But everybody in Braj thinks Krishna is good enough for my daughter. Hmm. Um, I, every, 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 every father, hmm. he should, she should be with him. But given the the ominous uh, reading of the chart. Um, he's not going to be there. Hmm? So don't let it happen now. We should nip it in the bud 
before it flowers, it fruits, and it's too late. Right? So, this is, of course, all for the sake of the Paratiya, which is a beautiful uh, thing, which, incidentally, Rupa Goswami says very clearly in Ujjabal Nilamani, Krishna comes to the Prakat, the manifest Lila, for a special kind of Madhurya. It's an interesting point. A special kind of Madhurya. This, of course, is a way that one can derive support for Jiva Goswami's position of Swakya in Goloka from Rupa. There are other, other instances as well. Rupa Goswami does not really speak at any length at all. He's, he's about the Aprakat Leila. He's all about the Prakat Leila. His entire emphasis, which is good and for good reason. But he does say this. For a special kind of Madhurya, he comes to this world. So, at any rate, the Parakiya. And so you would think that as much as this conflicts with the Patsalya sensibilities and is inappropriate, Balaram would report on Krishna. But he didn't say anything about that. So his not reporting is is an example of his getting out of the way that it may that it may flourish and take place. Um, but as he comes as Nidananda Prabhu in this world, then he can directly be involved in Madhurya Rasa because it's expanding in a different way. It's 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 displaying itself for circulation, for distribution widely. It's celebrating the secret of Braj. In the material world, this is like mind-boggling. What is the secret of secrets? Hmm? In the in, in the center, deepest regions of the of the spiritual world, is being told widely, and in in, in the material world, it's very um, astounding. Hmm? So he is fully involved in Madhurya Rasa in terms of how it appears in in Gorlila as it means as an overflow of Mahaprabhu's inner culture that turns into the dissemination, the distribution of Madhurya Rasa. But despite his overt involvement in this respect, it's inevitable, of course, that some persons will be influenced by his own sentiments and therefore we have the that current of Sakyarasa. Um, uh, in this world, um, so somehow we we got into that, um, and it's very beautiful and interesting. Um, we were talking about uh, tolerance and and the need to tolerate and the need to create a favorable environment for one's practice, um, and how that can modify that the the necessity for tolerating so that our tolerance doesn't become something that becomes a psychological dysfunction or, or a neurosis. And what else was I saying about that tolerance? Um, um, that, um, at any rate, um, We're talking about the kind of the lower end of the of the. Uh, it may be come to me, but <laughs> to connect the points. But at any rate, 
the, uh, the lower end of the idea of tolerance. It's a cardinal virtue. Everyone should be tolerant. But within reason, and here the spiritual reasoning is that I have to create a favorable place for my environment. So I may have to create an environment that allows me to tolerate others and even respect them who are devotees who up front would be a problem for me to tolerate because all of their intolerable from my psychological and even maybe philosophical and practitioner sensibilities uh, is a disturbance and compromises the environment. It may compromise the environment by, by not allowing me to think favorably about them, which I'm called to do, making it more difficult to uh, res- respect uh, them. Or not with regard to people necessarily, but just in environment, just the, uh, where I live. And people will be different. So people have different psychologies and sensibilities. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. Everybody should be able to sleep on the floor, for example. Some people may need a bed. <laughs> and that's okay. We expect every devotee to be honest. So create a favorable environment for your practice. If you're a king, then you need a palace to practice in. <laughs> okay. So then create a palace, but be a, be a king, devotee king. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, um, so it's very important. This is very important to create a favorable environment. And then in the context of that, you have to tolerate things. That's for sure. One of my godbrothers told me that I should come back and join Prabhupada's formal mission because it would give me a lot of opportunity to tolerate. And tolerance is a virtue. And I said, I've got plenty of things to tolerate. I don't have to go look for tolerance. It comes, the necessity to tolerate comes of its own within the environment that one creates that is favorable for one's practice. But if we don't focus on this point of creating a favorable environment for my practice, which, which really also amounts to knowing oneself, one's humanness, one's psychology, one's, one's needs, your needs are only as bad as you do not learn artfully, skillfully, in practice, to see them as an extension of your own practice. I need this because if I don't have it, there's no question of controlling my mind. I'm too distracted, so let me get it. And pacify my mind to some extent. Obviously, we don't just chase after whatever's on our mind, but some things are extreme. And so I need, let's say, for example, a partner. (laughs) So get one. Go ahead. Get one. Uh, Find one. And, and, And then proceed. And then you see my partner is part of my sadhana. I need my partner in order to do my sadhana and, and my partner needs me hopefully to do my sadhana her sadhana his sadhana and so forth and then we spiritualize our, our this is the power of bhakti bhakti has the power to turn the whole world into udipanas for bhakti for bhakti rasa hmm? which would ordinarily be looked at very much otherwise hmm? you know we have the basic udipanas for different rasas and so forth. And this is the point I was making. There are different rasas. And within the rasas, everyone's an individual. Hmm? 
So we have we have different different types of sakya ras, different types of madhurya rasa, and these windows of opportunity have come to us through Nityanandavu and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Right? We have these currents in our sampradaya because Nityanandavu is constituted of sakya rasa with bundles, with little vatsalya, a little dasya. So sometimes we see his vatsalya, sometimes we see his dasya, but primarily we see his, 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 his sakya. So there could be some predisposed by, by bhakti scars from previous life towards vatsalya, when you draw it through the influence of our, of our sampradaya in this life. Or, Dasya, or the friendship that is bundled in one way or the other with Vatsalya or with um, um, Dasya. Um, but the point I was making is that each... I was making the point that, that we, our practice is, needs to be skillful. Hmm? So I'm talking about it in different ways. And, um, and I said that there's two basic elements to the practice. There's mercy... And then there's um, effort, right? So the mercy is the opportunity that the sampradaya provides that we have nothing to do. There's no effort that we could make that could cause that opportunity to come before us. The opportunity for bhakti, and if it happens to be bhakti that is being carried in the heart of a Gaudiya Vaishnava, then the opportunity for the bhakti of that kind. Hmm? You cannot get that kind of bhakti or any kind of bhakti hmm? without the association that corresponds with that type of bhakti. Hmm? It's transmitted through bhakti. Bhakti is transmitted through bhakti. And in what form of bhakti? Sadhusanga. Sadhusanga is an anga of bhakti. And it happens to be the anga through which the transmission of the opportunity hmm, comes to us. There's nothing you could do, effort you could make, hmm, that would cause you to have the, oppor- the opportunity to enter into the spiritual world through the window of Madhurya Rasa or Sakya Rasa. That comes from up to down. Hmm, right? When Rupa Goswami is explaining in Bhakti Sindhu the different Stayibhavs, hmm? he reaches a point where he raises a question. Because as is explained, we find that the Madhurya Rasa is, is, affords the greatest intimacy. Hmm? And so he says, why is it then that not everybody presented with this opportunity takes it up because just from a intellectual point of view you could say well this is the this is this this rasa reaches the highest pitch hmm? therefore well i'm going to get in it might as well i got into this because i thought it was the highest truth and i want the highest truth within the highest truth this is the natural way of thinking about it. And he says, the reason is because of vasanas. What, what is a vasana, of course? A vasana is 
A vasana is something that comes from a vritti that forms a samskar that turns into a vasana. So impressions, when they're grouped together of a similar type consistently, that becomes vrittis, that becomes a samskar. And, and that means an, an, like an impression, and it's almost like, try to understand it, like indelible on your chitta. Indelible. That's why you do things that, no matter how you think about it, no matter how many times you say you're not going to do it, you find yourself doing it. That is, you understand, that's what an influence of a samskar. It turns into a vasana. They're kind of synonymous, but uh, they're natural tendencies, desires, born from impressions, these kind of impressions that, that we acquire through our associations. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we associate with a certain type of people, we're going to get impressions for the way they think and so forth. Um, basically, as I've often said, we are of the nature or such that we, the nature of the jiva is that it lends itself to nurture. Mm-hmm. So we have a certain nature it's susceptible to nurture. So if we're, if we're in the material environment of the Maya Shakti, we'll be nurtured by that and we'll develop a certain personality. If we're nurtured, on the other hand, by the Bhakti environment, by Sarup Shakti, then we'll develop a personality that enables us to participate in the Leela. And that's, of course, where we want to go. So the mercy is the opportunity that's presented to us that we could not create ourselves. There's nothing we could do to get that opportunity. Hmm? As the opportunity comes before us, it creates an impression on us that affects us. Sometimes people say, well, if you don't have a choice to love Krishna, then how could you love him? Well, in one sense, you don't have a choice. (laughs) The beginning of our bhakti is his choice, in a sense, in the sense that his devotees are moving only for his purpose in the world. Hmm? And we can see what his purpose is. We can see that he's compassionate. His compassion is shown towards them and they are showing compassion wherever they go. Hmm? And so, they afford us the opportunity and as a result, the, the, the way in that, which that takes shape is impressions come. They may build up over time, over lifetimes, to come to the point that they're uh, sufficient enough to cause the, the sprout of, of shraddha, faith, hmm? an epiphany. This is the way. Hmm? I found my way now, adrift in the ocean. I found my way, and I see, and it's distant, it's distant, but I see it. There's land, hmm? there's land, and I have a boat and a captain to go there, and so forth. And so then, so the opportunity, this is the mercy. And then the mercy seeks to qualify us 
through the extension of itself in the form of the effort that we exert to take advantage of that. That sadhana bhakti is about effort because it means engaging in bhakti with the senses. Bhava bhakti is not about effort because it means engaging in bhakti out of ecstasy. So you can't help it. You're just, it's driven by emotions. If your movement is driven by, you don't make an, if someone comes in the room and scares you, you don't have to make an effort to jump out of the way. <laughs> right? Your movement is driven by the emotion of fear. Hmm? <laughs> so when the action, active aspect of bhakti is driven by emotion, then it's effortless. Hmm? There's an effort, you know, that's why why Baba Bhakti is called, um, um, it's differentiated from sadhana. Hmm? Sadhana means we're making an effort to take advantage of bhakti by imitating uh, devotees. So we see they chant, we chant. They tell us to chant, we chant, we hear. But our chanting and hearing is not driven by emotion. Sometimes some, some emotion may come, a bhas may come. Rupa Goswami says, it's possible for an ordinary person to go to a festival and there will be kirtan, 24 hours. And in the other room there will be lectures going on. And in the other room there will be mahaprasadam. In another room there will be the archa, bigraha, I've never seen before. And my own senses will be flooded with all types of uh, cultural, spiritually cultural uh, incense and exotic tastes and uh, and uh, exotic dress. Why not? <laughs> and, uh, and 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 music and 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 happy people and some abhas, some shadow of bhava may come. Hmm? And, uh, and in the context, what well, to speak then, in the context of our serious sadhana, hmm? if we can, if we can, we can create a favorable enough environment that we, that our sadhana can become more intense hmm? in time, then we'll, get, we'll be continually, regularly bathed in the shadow of bhava. And this will be very confirming as to our involvement, more than all the, the talks that Swami has given for the last 30, 40 years, and trying to convince you to be involved in this, be just a little experience. Oh, it's such a possible otherworldly. There's like nothing but from this world. It's not like winning the World Cup. It's not like that. It creates an on. It's an ongoing impression, difficult to move away from. It will. It will draw you back in time, even if you might get distracted and so forth. So this is what we want. These kind of impressions. They come from sadhana. The subsequent response to the mercy opportunity is our effort. So. The point being, let's say you have the mercy of the opportunity for Madhurya Rasa or for Sakya Rasa, as we do. Hmm? And so 
has depended on the this the kind of association that we uh, are more more readily influenced by that'll be determined then then we uh, then we make some effort hmm? effort means the exercise of our will and as we in sodom become free from the influence of the maya shakti and the influence of the sarup shakti the bhakti is constant that becomes more prominent more dominant hmm? And so, for example, we start to find that our practice is consistent. It's uninterrupted. Even in the face of things that previously would cause me to be interrupted. Hmm? My mind would rule over my, the, the, my spiritual intellect, which is a baby. Hmm? My intellect has been wedded to my mind and senses. My mind and senses make demands and the intellect is corrupted by them. It's kind of like a Gandharva wedding. They take the intellect away, and the intellect schemes then how to how to meet the demands of the mind and the senses. This is you may as well have no intellect at all, because. Then you're no different than an animal because all you're doing is pursuing the demands of the senses. The intellect is meant to separate us a little bit from that. I mean, this is just even common sense. A civilized human being is one who's more tame, right? Who's less wild, who can control his senses. She can control her mind. I mean, relatively speaking, we're not advocating something that the whole world is not, the whole civilized world is not advocating. Hmm. We're just taking it to its logical conclusion. The more that you can master the, the mind, senses, the humanness, the emotions, the less human you become in a sense. Or the more, I should say, you really you, you become all that a human can be. You should use your intellect to become the full human. Hmm? Which means you to realize the, the opportunity that the human life affords us to transcend its own limitations, which is what everyone's living for. Every human being is living for those moments in which, just for a moment, it appears that we've gone beyond the limits that previously uh, un, now uncharted territory. Like. If, unfortunately, they didn't, but if Croatia, Croatia had won the World Cup, then uncharted territory, hmm? right? They, 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 a new perfection. I said before, if, you, if, if in the Olympics you can go one ten-thousandth of a second faster than ever before, this is then headline news. This is the world is celebrating these moments where we exceed, we, we, we go beyond human limitations. We expand what is the, the human. Hmm? So this is what bhakti is about. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a well-known approach to that, but if you study it carefully, you see it really fulfills that ideal, that ambition, which is coming from, in our perspective, from the atma itself. Hmm? Breaking out from the, the heavier Influence of the Maya Shakti, uh, the greater grip that the Maya Shakti has on the less complex 
forms of life, animal life, bird life, tree life, and so forth. Hmm? Coming out of that. Hmm? So here we, we, the idea is keep going, and here's a system for that. Coming out of that by, by going within, becoming a nicer person, becoming a civilized person, becoming controlling your mind. Hmm? You know, we have the ability of, let's say, you know, there's only one piece of pizza left, and everyone's hungry. Who wants it? <laughs> not me, not me. Right? Oh, he wants yeah, it. Give to him. So, something like that. We, this, we can do this in human life. Hmm? I want just want to, this, we have to understand our practice, our ideal, in, its, in terms of its universality and its application. We're not some weirdos that are separate from everything that goes on in the world. We're doing what everybody in the world is doing. We're just honing it in a particular way and trying to take it to its full, the fullest implications. Hmm? Right. So to transcend the limits of our of our humanness, and in the yoga, the, this, the Eastern idea, sadhana. Hmm? Um, this is. We have examples of this. Right? They've, they've, they've risen above their humanness, harness the human passions. Subjective, we can see it. It's very they control the mind. People want to talk about what is the mind, and the dominant talk in philosophy of mind is the mind's a brain. How dumb of an idea could you come up with that the mind is? It's just it's, it's, it's physical, and you just everything's been reduced to this one-dimension, flat, meaningless something that's so rich with nuance and uh, uh, layered experience. Uh, it's experiential. It's so different than a than a than a brain. That's why they can't they can't you know, find it there. Um, but if you want to talk about what is the mind, why not talk to the yogis? Oh, well, some guy living in a cave? What does he know about the mind? <laughs> he knows enough that he's able to control it. You ask the average scientist who thinks that the mind is part of the brain to sit down and control the mind for 15 minutes. Very difficult. For five five minutes? One minute? Sit down and just think about one one that's will give you just one thing. Just anything. Just one thing. Just concentrate on it for no, no other thought. Someone who can do that for a minute, for fifteen minutes, for thirty minutes, for half an hour, for an hour, for a day. Hmm? Maybe they know something about the mind. Is that reasonable? Such a mastery of the thing. Hmm? Maybe they know something about it, even though they may not say anything. Because knowing about it, they realize there's nothing to say. It's all good. Hmm? Unless, of course, they're devotees who say there's not enough that could be said, because not only have they mastered the mind and brought out the Atma, but they've brought the, 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 the their their atma has been brought 
to interface with bhakti and so this is super exploding uh, transcendental experience that causes the sitting yogi to dance I mean I mean we'll give an example the yogis can control the mind hmm? they, they endeavor to control the mind and they have pretty good success at that hmm? They control it by trying to focus on the absolute. And the gopis, they focus on trying to forget about the absolute truth. What is their mind control? We should get this Krishna out of our mind. We loved him as children. We should have just listened to the to the to the chart. And knew that was hopeless. Married somebody else. Now he's gone. Of course, we don't want to marry anybody else. But he did. He's, ooh, he's got so many queens. Does he ever think about us? Why do we think about him? Let's not think about him. Let's stop thinking about him. How much their mind is focused on one thing, that mom may come that we talked about. How much? Hmm? That if they try in every way to forget about him, they can't for one minute forget about him. So who knows something about the mind? What do you think these chakras are? What do you think this idea of um, uh, chitta, manas, buddhi, ankar, this subtle body, is this something that somebody just made up one day? And there's a chitta, and there's a... Where where are these ideas? the writers about these sages, like like um, Ishwar, what is his name? Ishwar, who wrote the Sankhya Karika, Ishwar Krishna, Sankhya Karika, uh, where you get this description of psychic matter and physical matter. From it's an idealist, idealist kind of perspective on the world, hmm? and and then the, the yoga system follows this and and accepts the psychic matter. In other words, there is a stuff called mind and there is a stuff called, you know, this physical matter. That, and and, and it, their, the descriptions are there. And, and they didn't just make this up one day. They, they have a practice. And in the context of that practice, they're seeing these things. Hmm? I mean, so there might be people worth listening to if you want to understand what is mind. Hmm? And the simplistic idea that, that it's just the brain and everything is physical. Hmm? Um, this is like a flatland, flatland, one-dimensional uh, reality. How can you possibly make a comprehensive explanation of everything that science tries to do by just reducing everything to one thing? Well, if there is only one thing, I suppose, but that's not how we experience life. And what your experience could be wrong, but then let's go to the yogis, let's go to the bhaktas, let's go to the, the sadhakas. We can't readily dismiss their experience. And it's, and it's derived from very intense practice or exercise of their will, of effort. Hmm? To bring it back, to bring the mind back, to bring the mind back, right? To bring the mind back. Hmm? 
develop a samskar for that, for bringing the mind back. So just letting it go. Bring the mind back. So, point is anyway, there's mercy, the opportunity of bhakti for bhakti rasa, and then our, our effort, our follow-through, which we call sadhana bhakti. And of course we learn about sadhana bhakti through through that uh, merciful dispensation from sadhusanga. So, as our will, the jiva has this, is a, is a kartritva, so an agent of action. So it has will as part of its composition. Hmm? So as that will is freed through this sadhana from the influence of the maya shakti and is thus coming under the influence of the sarup shakti, then its will functions in relation to the sarup shakti, which is the environment that it's been invited into, which is again the opportunity. So if it's an opportunity for Sakya rasa, if it's an opportunity for Madhurya rasa that I'm following, at a certain point in my sadhana, when I'm sufficiently under the influence of that, and where, where, where the mind, for example, is not going to derail my participation in that, hmm? but my practice is nishta, hmm? then it becomes, from steadiness, it becomes tasteful, ruchi. Hmm? And then it becomes you know, some kind of positive attachment hmm, to the object of my bhakti and so forth. So these are the latter stages, right, of, of sadhana, nishta, ruchi, asakti. So the ingress of sarup shakti is increasing, increasing. Hmm. The, the influence of the mayak atmosphere is diminishing, diminishing. So the will of the jiva is under the influence of sarup shakti is very much facilitated. You see, the will of the jiva under the influence of the maya shakti is not very much facilitated. That's why you can sit and will something, but it may not, it may not happen. It's likely that you put all your effort in it, it may not happen. Hmm? The, the more the influence of the maya shakti, the less the will of the jiva is operative. You never become matter, but you can become matter-like. Hmm? I mean, we don't, in less complex forms of life, obviously, the will is uh, less facility because it's an inherent uh, part of the uh, composition, constitution of the self. So this, this Maya Shakti is, is, is uh, illuminating, excuse me, uh, this Rup Shakti is illuminating. So it's illuminating the self and that it has a will now it can function, mm-hmm. and under the influence of the sarup shakti, its will will be f- facilitated, mm-hmm. rather than obscured. So what is the point? The point is that there are different kinds of friends of Krishna. There are different kinds of uh, lovers of Krishna. Among the manjaris, each one is different. Amongst the cowards, each one is different. What's the difference? The difference is the application of the will within sadhana in relation to the opportunity that has arisen. Hmm? So we hear about the causal feature of ecstasy, the vishai, hmm? the alambana udipana. Hmm? The alambana udipana means the, the vishai alambana, the ashraya alambana. 
we hear about them. We hear about Krishna, we hear about Krishna's friends. We hear about Krishna, we hear about Krishna's lovers. The object of love, the Vishaya Lamana, the Ashraya Lamana. Hearing about them has a causal effect on the Stai Bhava that is developing by the grace of the opportunity that's been presented to us. Right? Hmm? And it's, it has a causal kind of, it also serves to locate. Hmm? It's locating, locating the ecstasy hmm? in terms of its twofold components, uh, ecstatic bhakti. The object of love, Krishna, who will appear in a certain way to his friends, who appear differently to his, his lovers, and differently to his parents. Right? The lens through which we view the Leela will give us a slightly different picture of Krishna. Hmm? And different qualities of Krishna then will become the focus. Hmm? The, Krishna is the Alambana, the Vishaya Alambana, Udipana, of Krishna as the object of love. When Rupa Goswami starts to talk about Bhakti Rasa itself, hmm? having talked about Sadhana Bhakti, Bhava Bhakti, Prem Bhakti, now about Bhakti Rasa, how does he begin? He begins by describing the Vishaya Lambana Udipana. Krishna. How? He has 64 qualities. So what he's doing is he's mapping out the object of love. Then in the context of that, hmm, um, in terms of our practice, if we are practicing in the, in, in the, in the pursuit of Sakyaras, for example, then certain qualities amongst the 64 will stand out. Certain qualities from Madhuriras will stand out. Hmm? Certain, uh, and, and, and that, in terms of the other components of, of Bhakti Rasa, uh, then certain transient ecstasies, sancharis that come and go, will be applicable to Sakya, others to Atsalya, Aduri, and so on and so forth. So it's, we're talking about a composite, the personality, the world of ecstasy. But the, the differences, hmm? so let's say you have a mercy opportunity to, to develop Sakyarasa, so you're pursuing that. As you develop Anishta and Ruchi, then the will starts to be operative in terms of determining the details. Hmm? The details. What size? I, what 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 I'll do? What, what what service would I become? I become attracted to what uh, particular particulars? Hmm? The particulars. It's such a sankalpa. The liberated is such a sankalpa. His appearance are the extension of his own bhava. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's described in a very linear way, of course, but it's 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 not like that. Hmm? You understand that? Even in other words, if you're going to be a person in Golok, you have to have the whole composite. I've got parents, I've got family, I've got, I look like this, I'm like. So these details will come in the context of practice with a spiritualized, with a spiritualized will, 
not a will influenced by the Maya Shakti that would then impose material sensibilities on my ideal. Hmm? Therefore, when Rupa Goswami says, oh, there's why does somebody engage in sakya rather than in Madhurya, if the Madhurya is the highest, because he has some scars from the past, he's had impressions from the past, hmm? that uh, that doesn't mean material samskaras. <laughs> Those are the things you want to do away with, right? It means bhakti samskaras, as the commentators, of course, explain. Bhakti samskaras. Hmm? So again, we're back to the opportunity, and then, and then in relation to the opportunity, the effort. So, um, so there's a place. Therefore, it says, choose to eliminate whatever you choose. That will be your your us. But it's talking about a will that is now sufficiently influenced by the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? And then, so the desire is coming out, actually a desire to serve, hmm? out of feeling, emotion, and love. Hmm? Love means service, right? Now we're driven by the, by the, by the enjoying spirit. Hmm? That's part of the, it needs to be, 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 be cleansed away. Hmm? So he's not talking about material samskars. <laughs> These associates of Krishna, the Raghatmikas, they have anadi siddha samskars. That means they have impressions for serving Krishna that have no beginning. Hmm? There will be a beginning to the bhakti samskars that we derive. It will come from them through Guru Parampara. Hmm? And then take advantage of that beginning, properly cultivate. So, in this way, the point I'm making only relative to the, to the question is that, is that uh, there is there is an individuality. There is a there is a democracy. There is a there is a capitalism, and there is a socialism to to Golok. You get the friends. You get the whole group. It's a very tight group, hmm? attached to their own place, to Brudge. They don't want to go anywhere else. Hmm? And Krishna never leaves there. Even if he appears to, because he really is wherever there is love for him, and the measure of the love there exceeds anywhere else. So he's present there, more even in his apparent absence than he is where he apparently appears to be, overtly speaking. So you get the friends, you get a nice group, and you get the individuality. In other words, in bhakti rasa, the devotees have desires. That's a very interesting point. They have desires. I like to serve Krishna this way, I want to serve Krishna that way. It's not that every coward boy likes to eat the exact same things. Hmm? Actually, the fact of the matter is, everything that Jashoda, everything that Rohini cooks, or everything that they oversee in terms of Radha's cooking or provide ingredients for her to cook, every morsel Every single preparation is more than out of this world. Hmm. Still, as I was explaining the other day, during the luncheon, hmm, when they don't have to sit at the table or whatever, how you want to think about it, with Nanda Maharaj hmm, and be a little reserved, imagine a sportive feeling. The this is how Sakurasa bursts out of the scene on the Bhagavatam. It just bursts out of the scene with this idea the night before Krishna decides, let's have a picnic. Let's go. We can herd the calves and let's take the lunch with breakfast, whatever, with us. 
So he's up early, even before Balaram, and off the, and this plan the night before. And, and, and so it just like explodes onto the, onto the scene. Uh, and, uh, and one of the kind of like, um, like the rockets going up, and then one of the, they sit down, right? Agasur has been killed, and now his body, which was the personification of sin, becomes a, fully purified. His body became purified. <laughs> What's big of him? He became purified. He came out, right? He had nowhere to go. Did everybody in heaven see his atma? No. You can't see an atma. That's said in the scripture. What did they see then? They saw the brilliance. The brilliance. They were blinded by the brilliance of his sarup. Sarupya mukti he attained. Krishna gave him a body like Narayan. Hmm? And this is blinding to the devas. They can't see that. They, this, is, this is an Aishvarya sarup. Hmm? You can see the cowherds from heaven, but you can't figure them out. Hmm? But the, so this is a big event, right? So they saw they saw just the brilliance in the sarup went into Krishna, which is this is the beginning of the whole you know principal tattva of the chapters, right? Brahma Mohan Lila. What's the principal tattva of the Brahma Mohan Lila? What's the main point of tattva? of Siddhanta in the Brahma Vimohan Lila where Krishna's Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam hmm? even before Brahma comes down and the whole thing plays out and, and, and Brahma's praise about it and it's revealed what's the point? Uh, a a form like Narayan was given by Krishna to Agasur, and it went in the body of Krishna. Narayan is inside of Krishna. This is the point, right? Narayan, Krishna's too. Bhagavan Swayam. Hmm? And then they played on his body. Even his body, his snake body, became a playground for them. Hmm? Purified. All the bad smells were gone. Hmm? And then the picnic. Hmm? Now imagine the picnic along the bank of the river, and Nanda Maharaj isn't there to watch, make everybody behave at breakfast. And every preparation is out of this world. Still, as I said, one cowherd eats one and he thinks, "This is oh, this one is the best." He gives that one to Krishna. He tastes another preparation and thinks, "This one is second best. I'll give that to my friend. This one is third best. I'll eat that myself." Hmm? But each one of those is actually the best. But each coward boy thinks this one is the best, this one is less best. That, mean, that means they have their own individuality, you see. But this individuality is all part of their, their what we call, in this instance, Sakurasa. They're a personification of Sakurasa. It's not just a dull thing, hmm? it's a living, real person. It's interesting because if you hear about the spiritual. Personalities, the vessels of love, hmm? they may appear to be like partial people. Like you might think, what's wrong with Chandravali? How could she put up with that? Hmm? 
she's like dysfunctional or something like that. It's <laughs> not a whole person. It's, you know, but 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 it's, it's our personhood that even as functional and balanced as it is, is is, is dysfunctional because there's no there's no rasa in it. There's no taste in it. It, it, it all it all ends up in if it's any rasa, it's vibhatsa. Everywhere I, everything I pursue, it doesn't satisfy me ultimately. Get enough of it. Pick out your favorite record, other than Hare Krishna, and, and play it. How many times are you going to play it before you hate it? I, I hear that again. Some of these poor guys that have to go around and play their favorite hits 300,000 times, those poor guys. No wonder they're driven to drugs. <laughs> in the entertainment world. <laughs> so, we're in, in Golok, in the Paravelm, then there's, it's a social democracy, right? You have the socialist side and you have the democratic side, you have the individuality, and you have the group, both things. And so, relevant to our our practice, we're all individuals. So as I say, we may have different things that, that constitute a favorable environment for us. Hmm? Again, if you're a king, then you need a palace. If you're a simple person, you may just need a hut. You don't think, I'm a hut, I'm better. He's got a hey, he needs a palace. Hmm? No, you have to go into his head and see from his psychology. Hmm? And then execute bhakti within that. If he's a king, of course, then he has to have a palace, and then he has to give in charity, and so on and so forth. So, so we need to create a favorable environment for our practice. And in the context of that, we have to tolerate, we have to tolerate our mind, even then, right? We have to tolerate others, and so forth. So, this is important. Um, that we don't, in the name of being tolerant like a tree, keep ourselves in a situation, an institution, even, that is intolerable. That doesn't allow me to use my intelligence, even, in Krishna service. And to become independently thoughtful, as Prabhupada said. I want my disciples to be independently thoughtful. This, 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 this does away with the need for management, independently thoughtful, for the most part. So there may be, uh, uh, may be an institution, it may be, it may be a marriage. We don't advocate divorce, but neither do we advocate bad association. <laughs> if it's too bad, then um, then what is the Bhagavatam saying? What is the use of Barnashram? This is not Barnashram principle, let's say. If married is for life. Yeah. But what is the use of observing Barnashram if you get no taste for bhakti? Hmm. Useless. These are the, these are the revolutionary sensibilities of bhakti. It transcends the Varnashram. We're not against it. We follow it. 
as much as it corresponds with and facilitates our bhakti, if it goes against our bhakti, then the higher principle must be must be adhered to. Therefore, we find Mahaprabhu, according to Varnashram, he said shouldn't have eaten with the mature Brahman that he met. But from a spiritual point of view, you can understand what I see in him is something that was, comes from into this world from Madhavendra Puri. I'm a disciple of Madhavendra Puri's disciple. Therefore, on the spiritual platform, we have a connection. While Varnashram prohibited Mahaprabhu eating at his house, Mahaprabhu threw that consideration aside hmm? and kept his company, took his, his association and so forth. Hmm? Who's, 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 the, um, who's the leader of the family, the husband or the wife? Or the children? It should be obvious that it's not the children. Think again. Right? When Mahaprabhu met Mukunda and his son, Raghunandan, he asked, which of you is the father and which is the son? And Mukunda was the father. He said, Raghunandan is the father. I am the son. Mahaprabhu was very pleased because the bhakti of Raghunandan exceeded that of Mukunda, his own father. And there's a very beautiful story in that connection that brings it out. I won't go into that. but hmm? So this is a very dynamic, the spiritual dynamic of how to look at our worldliness, social involvement, and so forth. We don't like to go around breaking laws or anything, but we're violating uh, such uh, 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 such sensibilities. But if they get in the way of the bhakti, it's not like, I want to spread Krishna consciousness and nobody's giving me any money, therefore they're getting in the way, therefore I should rob banks. It's not like that. <laughs> you can do bhakti with no money, and bhakti doesn't require any money. Hmm? Spread it in your own heart. You can't spread it anywhere else. And that's the only way you're going to spread it anywhere else anyway. Hmm? So, at any rate, um, uh, uh, the son, the daughter may be the leader of the family. Hmm? It's possible. She can set a better example for bhakti, then we should all follow her. Hmm? So, so, at any rate, we should create an, a favorable environment for our bhakti, and in the context of that, we tolerate. And if we don't do that, then in the name of tolerating, we may find ourselves in an intolerable situation. It's not favorable to our bhakti. We may become neurotic and then discouraged about our bhakti because we're not getting a taste, but we're not realizing you're missing a point you're not creating a favorable environment for your practice. So you can't, you're being, your practice is being impeded by that. Hmm? So this, you know, some skillfulness, uh, some, some using your intellect in your, in your, in, in your service. And of course, in your practice, you have to be honest. And I'm doing this because I want a result. The result is it will facilitate my practice, my growth. Hmm? Then you can make all kinds of. This can be your moral compass. Then will will determine everything. Hmm. So you understand how Sadak is a very serious person. What they're doing. <laughs> What's the, what? What this? Is that? If your sadhana is anishta, well then you know 
You look at the ideal of the nishta bhakta as an interim goal. So, so we don't want this mandate of Mahaprabhu about tolerance to uh, be misunderstood and create a psychological uh, dysfunction in us. We will be out of balance materially and be less uh, uh, in a a more awkward position to pursue bhakti. If If you're primarily influenced by sattva, you'll be in a better position to pursue bhakti because the Rajas and Thomas influences what needs to be cleansed away Primarily, first, Kama, Raga, passion and ignorance, this has to be cleared away. So, if that's still there, then it has to be cleared away first. If the influence is subject, then you can move on to further development more readily. And sattva is about balance. That's what it's about bringing balance in our life. Hmm. They say, some say, psychology, that's maya. Exercise is maya. Get your exercise in the kirtan. Dance. <laughs> but I have no emotions. Dance. Emotions will come. <laughs> Push him in the center. Make him dance. <laughs> Nothing like, you know, trying to be, not be in the center and <laughs> not be self-conscious. <laughs> oh, I've been there and I've done that, so... I've been in those circles. So, <laughs> so, what was the point? So, <laughs> hmm? Tolerance. Hmm? Tolerance, yeah. <laughs> <To> tolerate. <laughs> so, um, so we, 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 we need to uh, uh, be skillful, create a favorable environment, and progress, and, uh, and not become... Um, Neurotic by, I'm supposed to tolerate everything. It must be Krishna's arrangement and so forth. Uh, and we find this in the life of great devotees, great devotees, not just sadhana, sadhakas, the creator. What kind of places uh, the, uh, yeah, the. Look at where. Uh, what the Braj was like. I mean, the, the Goswamis made their places of bhajan. They were simple, but very, very attractive, very. Uh, well thought out. Hmm. Now, of course, it's very it's very popular if you can. I mean, I've been there in years, but if you if you could buy a place in Vrindavan where this leela was performed, you're getting some really expensive real estate, and it's really going to cost a lot of money, a real lot of money, hmm? because of that. And then you can spend all your money to get that spot, and then. And how conducive it is to your practice depends how many cinema songs are blazing around you and how busy it is. <laughs> it may not be, at least for the beginner, that favorable. Uh, you might think, well, I'm here, I'll get the samskar for this, I'm in this place, but, but the, 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 the superficial goings on may be more such that they preoccupy your mind. I'd be better to go to Costa Rica. <laughs> I'm not advocating that we don't visit the Dom, but the Dom is a deep idea, right? What it is. So, 
that's all the first part anyway about tolerance. The second idea of tolerance that the question is about is that the metaphor of the tree extends not only to standing and tolerating the uh, elements, which can be harsh, hmm? so we have to do that to some extent, again, within a favorable environment, to take the tree. Well, you have to plant a tree in a favorable environment or it's not going to grow, right? So if you want a tree of tolerance, then you've got to plant it in the right place, you've got to water it, take care of it. You have to also clip out some weeds and so so forth. But anyway, the tree then goes up and it provides shade for others. So this tolerance starts to turn into almost a compassion, a kindness uh, to others and so forth. And that's certainly the way Bhaktivinoda Thakur has spoken about it um, as well. Um, um, and I think <laughs> that in a way I'm speaking about it, it's kind of a latter, deeper uh, development of a, a proper approach to the idea of tolerance that um, involves some uh, uh, spiritual growth that makes one strong if you use the metaphor of the tree like the tree it's got some strength to do that so there's a way through the cultivation of tolerance properly as I'm speaking about it that you can become strong hmm? in your practice in your convictions in your ability to uh, control the mind and not let other influences disturb you and so forth and then you're naturally in a position to be uh, to extend in the form of your tolerance if you will like a tree it's standing uh, and if you chop it down even it provides you shade so you can be in such a position that for example others may criticize you and you may be able to take advantage of that and uh, and uh, um, find the truth in it if there is a grain even um, um, and uh, and and share your uh, this verse is about nishta uh, this third verse of shikshastikam so share the steadiness that you have in practice if you become a tolerant person, I think it's a becoming outgrowth, but not something that you can do artificially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the context of tolerating, you you, you become a, a shelter, so to speak, for for others. You've created that favorable environment. You're tolerating in the context of that, and it's creating a spiritual environment that others can be brought in and. And they can take advantage of that and so forth. So they may come. Now you're strong, you're tolerant, they may come. You'll be able to tolerate them for a little while. Then you go to your room. <laughs> Something like that. So a little short on the second part there, but a long first part. Yes. Uh, I would like to add something because. Uh, what was funny in uh, Bhakti Rasmita Sindhu while describing uh, Bhavankur, this proud of Bhava, 
is mentioning nine Kumbhavas starting with Kshantir. Mm-hmm. So Kshantir is, is translated as a forbearance or perseverance, something like that. Yeah. So it seems that this is such mature tolerance uh-huh. which can give shelter to others. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a development beyond Nishta. Hmm? Mahaprabhu's third verse is about Nishta, but this is taking it to Bhav, Babanku, or the sprout of Bhav. The example is Maharaj Parikshit. So Maharaj Parikshit could tolerate hunger and thirst. That's pretty prominent. Hmm? Without being distracted by them, as he as he as he drank and and um, consumed uh, sukhavak, the, the talk of sukha, Grantaraj, Srimad Bhagavatam, and on the bank of the Ganga, with death looming, he fasted from food. They say he fasted from drink. Also, goodness, you can't. I'm thinking. Most people can't live without past three days without water. But seven days, and he was enriched. So this is a very mature form of forbearance, tolerance. Hmm? Can't be can't be imitated. You need to you need to take create the favorable environment and look like a person who's not very tolerant. You need to learn how to set up your boundaries. No. Yes, I need that. In the name of being tolerant and so forth, and, uh, if you don't, aren't familiar enough with yourself and your psychology, then you may deny yourself of things that you need to do your practice. And then the practice doesn't seem to work, and then everything is lost. So this is for... If we're talking about becoming all that a human can be, obviously you're going to have to become a balanced human in the context of that, not some... You can become dysfunctional in Baal, but that's okay. <laughs> but the sadhaka, first you've got to become functional, and then then you can become dysfunctional from a worldly point of view. Hmm? And that's, you know, really what the Varnashram is about, supposed to help people get balance by, by giving an engagement according to their psychological... Physiological makeup and so forth and so on. So, thank you for that point. What else? Another comment? Question? Yes. So 
So you have described a, a kind of intelligence that can really and truly determine what the situation is. Not necessarily you can follow, you can follow it, but you can theoretically kind of figure it out. Uh huh. Well, yes, uh, we're talking about really a spiritualized intellect, right? It's all about what's favorable for bhakti, what's not, and understanding myself in the context of that and so forth. And so uh, that is, in one sense, what, what we're doing inside in the bhakti, especially in the beginning stages. We're trying to fortify our intellect spiritually. Prabhupada called the Bhagavad Gita the civilization of the of the intellect, the spiritualization of the intellect, and the Bhagavatam, the, the, the civilization of the soul itself. The implication being that that by spiritualizing the intellect, that intellect that I said previously was had been kidnapped in a Gandharva marriage by the mind and the senses to serve their demands and scheme how to meet them. Hmm? needs to be taken back by bhakti hmm? so that, it, so that it, it can respond to the mind and senses when they say, I want this with the answer, yes, but it's not good for you. Okay, then I don't do it. Something like that. So, I mean, everybody has to do this on some level, but we're doing it in relation to bhakti. And so bhakti... Now that intelligence becomes spiritualized, then it becomes the driver, right, in the, ch- in the metaphor of the chariot, that the mind are the reins and the senses are the horses, the chariot's the body, the passengers, the, the atma. Hmm? So we need this sadhaka deha. It requires, obviously, the spiritualization of the intellect, which is the driver, because if the intellect is not spiritualized, then even if you've got, a, you've got the reins and you've got the horses, you, you might be going in the wrong direction, even though you think you're doing bhakti. You may not. Hmm? So, so, that said, yes, everybody's intellect is not spiritually fortified or purified enough be able to always make the right decisions, right? And a wise person has has doubts, and an unwise person has no doubts. Hmm. So we say that, that we teach that, that, that we know that our intellect is lacking in terms of its capacity to deliver or arrest the whole truth. We know that, but it can be a vehicle in its pursuit in conjunction with, with bhakti, and so humbly we go forward employing our intellect and about details, for example, of what may be favorable for my uh, practice or not in terms of an environment. We're not alone with, a, with, a, with an intellect that may not be spiritually developed enough to make the right choice, or we may have a healthy doubt about it. We can consult. Sadhusanga. Hmm? We can ex- I want to do my bhakti. I'm thinking, I'm in this group, and it's like happening. This is happening to me. And then they might say, then I 
I'm thinking maybe I should go elsewhere and practice bhakti, and then you might, but maybe not. Hmm? If you're not, but the doubt then, which is the function of the intellect, if you can't resolve it with the intellect alone, then you can resolve it in an extended way through your intellect by employing spiritual intellectual sensibility of asking a, a more advanced devotee. Hmm? Getting that uh, uh, input, so to speak. That's just, I mean, that's just a response to your comment. I hope that's helpful. sufficiently fortified spiritually to make the right decisions you will know by the result and in success there's not much to learn in failure there's everything to learn if you're successful what do you have to learn if you did it wrong then there's so many lessons so you don't look at your mistakes and just think, oh, I made a mistake. Just see. Huh. You, you learn from them. That's a spiritual intellect. That you ought to be able to do. I made this mistake, and I can see it now. It's been going on for a long time. Hmm. Of course, you have to know intelligently what kind of what result you're looking for, what the fruit will be, and if you're not getting it. But anyway, we're not so developed always. To, so... You learn from your mistakes. Mistakes are great. Opportunity failures is, is the failure is the beginning of success. Hmm? The pillar of success. Hmm? Success is built on failures that we've learned from hmm? and now retired. So go ahead. Don't be. Go ahead and fail. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Hmm? Uh, that's the worst thing. Don't do anything. <laughs> okay. All right, so we'll stop there. Shri Gornatananda ki jai. Kori Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.